Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to talk about dogs. Dogs have been an important part of Canadian history from the very beginning. The first dogs to arrive in Canada came from Siberia over 12,000 years ago. They were used for hunting, pulling sleds, and as companions for the indigenous people who made their way across the Bering Strait. In the 17th century, European settlers brought dogs with them as well. And like the indigenous people, they relied on their dogs for companionship, hunting, and protection. Dogs have been some of Canada's most beloved heroes. In 1909, a Labrador retriever named Polar Bear helped the explorer Robert Perry reach the North Pole. In 1916, Canadians were captivated by the story of Bruno, a sheepdog who was rescued from war-torn Europe and refused to eat after his person passed away. In 1941, a Newfoundland named Gander saved the lives of several Canadian soldiers during the Battle of Hong Kong. Over the centuries, dogs have served Canadians in an ever-expanding variety of ways. Today they work in law enforcement, detect cancer and COVID, help find missing children, and enable the blind to get around. But for most Canadians, dogs are much more than just working animals. Their loyalty, friendship, and unconditional love have made them part of our families, Countless dogs are beloved characters in Canadian art and film. Their stories have been told by such noteworthy authors as Farley Mowat, Lucy Maud Montgomery, and Stephen Leacock. They can make us laugh, they comfort us, they remind us of our better angels, of what our character could be. And perhaps that is why we love them so much. Which brings me to my puppy, Boris. Boris is a 10-year-old... Irish Setter, Newfoundland Cross, the same breed as Gander, actually. Recently, he began hacking up his food. His bark became raspy, and he's having trouble breathing deeply. So I took him to see the vet. Boris has the canine version of Lou Gehrig's disease. His spinal cord will slowly degenerate, and over the next one to three years, he will progressively lose control of the muscles he uses to play, bark, eat, and breathe. There is no cure, and the cause remains unknown. But there is a way to slow it down. With the laryngeal paralysis, Boris needs surgery. Without it, his constricted larynx will get worse faster, and he may pass away in only a few months. The problem is the surgery costs $5,000, which is well beyond what I can afford. So I'm asking for your help. I've set up a GoFundMe to pay for the vet. 
If you'd like to contribute, just click the link for Boris Fundraiser in my show notes. And if you've donated already, thank you. If you've shared, thank you as well. Thank you for helping us get a few more precious years together, because it means the world to us both. And I want to say a very special thank you to Andrew. What I just read was written by him. He's a fantastic copywriter, and he was able to do this for me so that I could get the word out on my dog. So if you want to visit his website, go to sublimelime.ca, and that's two limes. That's sublimelime.ca. I do apologize, as this is a shorter episode, but I like to cover every town that I can, and some towns have more history than others. But nonetheless, let's get to it. Due to the location of what would be Angusville, it was used as a territory by various indigenous people throughout the centuries before Europeans arrived. The land, which was part of the Northern Territory of the Bison, was a valuable source of food and supplies, and it was the territory of the Anishinaabe, the Sioux, the Cree, and the Oji Cree. As fur traders came through the area with the Northwest Company and the Hudson's Bay Company, a new indigenous race would emerge, the Métis. The Métis would become known for their huge bison hunts. Eventually, though, the land would be ceded to the government amid the numbered treaties. In 1884, Angusville would be established and named for the family with the surname of Angus in the area. The community remained small in terms of population, but it still served as an important commercial center for the area. In 1904, the Holy Ghost Ukrainian Catholic Church, a modest-sized wood-frame building, was built in the wooded area northeast of Angusville. The church was established by Ukrainian settlers who had arrived to the area only a short time before, providing them with a place for worship, for meetings, and for get-togethers among the community members. The interior was painted by a local artist named John Pushka, and Father A. Delary oversaw the construction of the church and its first years of use. The building sits on land with a cemetery and a freestanding bell tower, and it is one of the oldest surviving rural churches of the entire area. Due to its historic nature, the church was made a Manitoba Heritage Site in 2009. I want to talk about... The Local History Atlas. This was created by one of my listeners, Ben Woodward, and it's fantastic. It's this wonderful website where you can see a a Google Maps image of Canada, and you can visit all of the places in Canada. And within these places are my local history podcast episodes that you can listen to. And one of the great things about it is you can add to it. You can put your own pictures in. You can put your own information. It's creating this wonderful historical mosaic of Canada, and it's a wonderful website. Uh, I have the link in my show notes, but if you also want to visit yourself, it's atlas.digitalhistory.ca, and we can create this wonderful mosaic of Canada's history. All of us, you can learn about Canada's history. If you're going on a road trip, you can use this wonderful site to see where you're going and the amazing things that you can see, so be sure to check it out. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Families have a lot going on. 
Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. While he never came to Canada, Ivan Franco would have an impact on Angusville. Franco was born in the Austrian Empire in 1856 and would become a political activist and founder of a socialist and nationalist movement within Western Ukraine. He would also translate the works of many noted writers, including Lord Byron and William Shakespeare, into Ukrainian. The Ukrainian people's home of Ivan Franco would be built in 1934 in Angusville, nearly two decades after Franco had passed away. This Ukrainian hall was built in the community and features a noticeable black onion dome that is visible from almost any local vantage point. Today, it is one of the few social halls built in Manitoba by the Ukrainian National Home Societies that features an onion dome in its design. This hall remains intact from how it was originally built and makes a great place to visit on any trip to Angusville. Due to its historic nature, it was also made a municipal heritage site in 1992. In 1935, a new church was built nearby to Angusville. The Ukrainian Greek Orthodox Church of the Ascension was built over the course of 1935 and is a beautiful wood structure that draws on Roman and Byzantine sources for its construction. Most recognizable for its three onion domes, the inside of the church was also painted by local artist John Pushka. The church still stands to this day and is used on occasion by the members of the community. The church was also made a municipal heritage site in 2005. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to ExploreNet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. In 1938, the Angusville Municipal Building was constructed, and unlike many municipal buildings, it looks more like a home than it does a town hall. The building has the old town bell mounted on a cairn nearby, and the building was used for several years. The building includes offices, council chambers, vaults, a jail cell, and more. In the 1960s, the town moved to another building, but this building still stands and serves as an example of the work Angusville did to ensure community affairs were dealt with during the heart of the Great Depression and beyond. Due to its historic nature, it was made a municipal heritage site in 2000. And in 1963, a legendary run of success began for a baseball team in Angusville called the Cardinals. 
The Angusville Cardinals played in the Northwest League, which traveled throughout Manitoba and Saskatchewan to play in tournaments. The team would finish as a runner-up for the Provincial Baseball Championship in 1963, earning the Ab Richardson Trophy. They then won the Northwest Baseball League Championship. Managed by John Perrobeck, the team would win the Juvenile Championship in 1964 and then again in 1965. The same year, the team won the Manitoba Intermediate Baseball Championship against their main rivals, the Pilot Mound Pilots, in a 13-inning game. In 1965, the team won four different trophies. In 1966, the team had another great season, winning every game except their championship game. And in 1968, the team won the Northwest League again, and made it to the final game of the Provincial Finals, which they sadly lost. The team's run from 1963 to 1968 with multiple championships would result in the team being inducted into the Manitoba Baseball Hall of Fame in 2004. I hope you enjoyed that rather short episode of Canadian History X, and if you did, well, please leave a rating and a review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. And you can donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. And I also want to thank all of my wonderful patrons. And I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Martin Strache, Sarah White, Tom McMillan, Mike Sullivan, Wendy Mills, Keelan Pringnitz, Michael Matthews, Joanna Parker, Jeff Dahl, Vobbs, Robert Page, Richard T., Colin Johnson, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nixon Ree, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rois, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.